What is up, everybody? It is JT Sports. I am back to you guys with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast. And I'm here with my college football week seven takeaways and reaction. Going to be giving you guys some of my thoughts on what took place this past weekend in college football. Now, if this is your first time listening to the JT Sports Podcast, Welcome. I appreciate you for tuning in. We're going to be talking about how good is Oklahoma State after beating Texas. LSU pulls off the upset against Florida, but they still part ways with head coach Ed Orgeron. And lastly, my reaction to Georgia dismantling the Kentucky Wildcats. Make sure that you guys go ahead and follow me on my social media platforms on Instagram and Twitter. You can follow me on those at JT Sports underscore. Once again, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at JT Sports underscore. And lastly, if you haven't already, make sure that you are subscribed to my YouTube channel, which is JT Sports. So I'm going to start off with the big news of the day. LSU pulls off the upset against Florida 49 to 42, but they still decide to part ways with head coach Ed Orgeron after the season. Now, there were reports coming out saying that this wasn't really something that just took place. Like, this is something that was already in the works of Ed Orgeron and LSU coming to a mutual agreement to part ways dating back to last week. There were people saying that players didn't want to play for him and coaches didn't want to coach for him. Now, ever since LSU won the national championship in 2019, led by Joe Burrow, and it seemed to be the perfect storm, everything has kind of went downhill for that LSU program led by head coach Ed Orgeron. Now, a lot of people try to discredit Ed Orgeron for that national championship. I feel like nobody really gives him enough credit because everybody just says, well, he had Joe Brady, he had Dave Aranda, he had Joe Burrow. But I mean, you have to give the man props for assembling that good of a coaching staff and having a team like that come together and be as good as what they were. Like, I just feel like... You just can't simply discredit somebody just because the guys he had around him. I mean, he did hire him. Now, he hasn't really done a good job of picking his coaching staff ever since then. He lost a lot of talented players to the league. And there are a lot of non-LSU fans who are disagreeing with the decision to part ways. And I understand where those non-LSU fans are coming from. They're saying that Ed Orgeron needed more time. They didn't really allow him enough time to rebuild. But LSU fans are saying when you're playing in the SEC and you're coaching at LSU, a program that consistently brings in top five, top 10 recruiting class, you don't rebuild, you reload. Now, nobody's expecting you to compete and win a national championship year after year after the year, but people do expect you to be a really good football team. At least nine to 10 wins minimum is the expectation for that LSU program. And Ed Orgeron, ever since winning the national championship, you know, this LSU program didn't really ascend. Anytime a team wins a championship, you know, they should always ascend or be somewhat around that level. You know, LSU was still supposed to be around nine, 10 wins. Now, last year, 
year, you know, it was a COVID year. So everybody made this excuse for him saying, you know, give him another year, see what happens a year after. And then, you know, this season kind of hasn't really went as planned. Everybody was expecting LSU to bounce back and be a legitimate contender in the SEC West. They lost to UCLA to open the season. Then, you know, they had a couple of, you know, disappointing losses there. But, I mean, you got a big win against Florida. But a lot of non-LSU fans, you know, they're a little bit surprised. But, LSU fans, I definitely understand why the decision was made. And even then, I feel like there's a good amount of LSU fans. I feel at least like 30% of LSU fans out there don't really agree with the decision of part ways of Ed Orgeron. And I kind of, I'm kind of on the opposite side of the spectrum. I kind of understand why LSU decided to part ways of Ed Orgeron. I agree with the decision to part ways of Ed Orgeron because, I mean, after that 2019 year, everything has kind of went downhill. He's had some off-the-field issues. But one thing that I don't agree with is the narrative that, you know, he lost the locker room. Players didn't want to play for him. Coaches didn't want to coach. Like, Yesterday, to me, it looked like those players wanted to play for him. I feel like if you completely lose the locker room, it will be indicated by the final score. And I haven't really seen any games played this year where LSU just completely got outmatched and outclassed. Now, maybe that would have happened when they played Alabama this year. But, I mean, I haven't really seen any games where LSU was just completely blown out outside of that Kentucky loss when Kentucky beat them 42-21. to But, I mean, I look back at that Florida game yesterday and I didn't really see a team that gave up on them you know maybe a couple of star players like Derek Stingley you know Keyshawn Boutte didn't like him anything like that but I mean this team played very well under him and they were able to pull off the upset like I really felt like if he completely lost the locker room this team when it had defeated Florida which Florida is a pretty solid football team you know not the great Florida team that we saw last Last year, but you know, this is still a pretty decent football team. This is the same Florida team that took um Alabama to the wire early on this past seat. Well, this season. So, I mean, what's next for LSU? Who do you hire? Okay, are you going to try to pay big money to lure Luke Fickle out of Cincinnati? I think that Luke Fickle has a better chance leaving Cincinnati for the LSU job than I think he does leaving for the USC job. Now, ultimately, I still feel like he's going to stay at Cincinnati. First of all, I feel like Cincinnati going to the Big 12 Conference now is going to help out recruiting. On top of that, Cincinnati is a team that right now is on the brink of making college football history maybe being the first G5 program to ever make it into the college football playoffs. And right now, this team is in a national championship conversation. Lou Fickle has built something really good in Cincinnati. And on top of that, I think his son currently plays on the team. So, I mean, I understand why he could make the move, you know, more money probably. On top of that, you have a better chance to remain contending for national championships at LSU compared to Cincinnati, where you may have 
have some down years per se because maybe you may be capped in terms of how good you could be when it comes to recruiting. But overall, I still feel like this is a good chance that Lou Fickle could stay in Cincinnati, but it's pretty hard to turn down that LSU job because there are a lot of people saying that the LSU job is more appealing than USC. Then on top of that, you know, you have a couple of other names thrown out there. I think Billy Napier probably could be a potential realistic candidate high on LSU's list because you got to remember, um, the Louisiana Raging Cajuns play in the state of Louisiana, so I'm pretty sure whoever's doing this coaching search for LSU has probably done a lot of due diligence on Billy Napier because he's literally probably right down the freaking street, and he's done a fantastic job with that Raging Cajuns football program, so I definitely feel like he's probably going to be amongst the top of their candidates when it comes to doing this coaching search, but who's going to be next, really? Because, I mean, like, I really feel like LSU LSU is going to bring in a big name. It's not going to be some guy that we never heard of before. Now, what's next for Ed Orgeron after this year? You know, if he finishes off the season on a high note, you know, they win seven, eight games, then he's most likely probably going to be employed at another school. Now, I don't know if he'll be employed at another P5 program. You know, he may be like a group of five coach. You know, he may end up going to a G5 program and being a head coach there. But I don't really know if we'll see him get another P5 job. A lot of people keep saying, you know, him to USC. I don't really know if USC will bring him in. Some people are saying Miami. I don't really know if Miami will be able to put out the money, able to, you know, bid for Ed Orgeron. Because I do feel like if there's a market for Ed Orgeron, I don't really feel like Miami is that committed to the football program that they would want to bring him in. Miami normally likes to go the cheap route when it comes to bringing in these coaches. They normally bring coaches in from like a P5 level or something like that and, you know, bring them up to a larger scale school. But I mean, for Ed Orgeron, I definitely feel like he's going to be a head coach somewhere next year. Rather, that's at a lower um, power five program or at the G five school, because like, I do feel like there are some characteristics about Ed Orgeron that a lot of people kind of overlook. You know, I feel like he definitely is a guy who can get you motivated to play for a game. He's definitely somebody who can fire up. I definitely feel like he can get his, the most out of his players at time. As we saw last year, when they pull off the upset against Florida, there were a lot of young players playing in that game that, you know, he got a lot out of in that game he also gets the most out of the younger players on the roster in my opinion you know so I really feel like he does have some really good traits now he's not really that great when it comes to assembling a great coaching staff which is something that you know is a big indictment against him because he's not really an X's and O's coach he's not really you know an offensive guru or a defensive guru he's more of a program builder per se or like a motivator you know he's a pretty good recruiter but something that he kind of hasn't really done all that well outside of 2019 is bringing in the right people for his coaching staff 2019 when he brought in Joe Brady was kind of like the perfect storm for him so I'm really interested in seeing what happens with Ed Orgeron I definitely feel like we could see him being a head coach somewhere next year but for LSU man the coaching search is going to be really interesting and I only have like two names on top of my head right now but I'll probably 
probably come around sometime later today or sometime this week and give you guys a more in-depth list of potential candidates who I feel could potentially succeed at Ordron next year after this year when they part ways in 2022. Oklahoma State defeated Texas 32-24. How good is Oklahoma State is the question that a lot of people are asking. Now, when I watch Oklahoma State, and I've watched them a lot this year for some reason. Don't really know why. Maybe it's because of the uniforms. But I've been really intrigued in this Oklahoma State team because this team reminds me a lot of Iowa. You know, their offense isn't really all that great, but their defense is really phenomenal. Now, Oklahoma State's defense in the second half of this game only allowed seven points, and they outscored Texas after halftime 19-7. to And Texas was only held to 24 points, which Texas offense has been been kind of clicking over the last couple of weeks so this Oklahoma State defense is legit this is definitely one of the best defenses in college football in my opinion top five but this offense you know it needed to do what it had to do to win the game I mean, Spencer Sanders didn't really have an impressive performance, 19-32, 178 pass yards, a touchdown to pick. Jalen Warren is like the team leader on this offense, 33 carries, 193 rushing yards, 5.8 yards per attempt. And like I said, this Oklahoma State team reminds me a lot of Iowa. You know, I see a lot of similar comparisons. When you look at Spencer Petras, not really all that great. Can't really win you a game with the ball in his hands. You know, led by running back Tyler Goodson. So you look at Iowa and you look at Oklahoma State, like I see two teams who are pretty identical in their philosophy. You know, Iowa wants to get in close games. Oklahoma State wants to be in close games. Iowa isn't really a team that's built to win a shootout. Oklahoma State, oddly enough, isn't a team that's built to win a shootout. They need the forced turnovers to win the game and their defense pretty much has to be their best offense like the defense has to not only be able to get stops but be able to make sure that they're in good field position so when I look at Oklahoma State I definitely feel like this is a really good football team you know are they going to go undefeated I doubt it they're going to lose to somebody down the stretch I'm not saying who it's going to be it probably could be Oklahoma it could be somebody else but I mean I know they're going to lose somewhere down the stretch but I mean that still doesn't take away from the fact how good this team was I was really impressed with their performance that they had against Texas and remind you even though Oklahoma State was the higher ranked team heading into this matchup Texas was still going into this game as a five and a half point favorite so the odds makers in Vegas didn't really have that much confidence in Oklahoma State to win this game despite the fact that they were the more high higher ranked team and that goes to another point you know a lot of people are flipping out about the AP poll and the AP poll doesn't really matter you know a number by your name doesn't represent how good of a football team you are at the end of the day what represents how good of a football team you are is what you actually do on the field 
So for Oklahoma State, they're probably going to be ranked inside of the top 10, but it doesn't really matter until the college football playoff rankings come out in like a couple of weeks. But I look at this Oklahoma State team, man, like I would like for them to, you know, be a little bit more efficient on offense because Jalen Warren is pretty much the only weapon that they have in this offense this offense doesn't really have a lot of dynamic playmakers on the outside especially when it comes to wide receiver it's just real this is just a really odd Oklahoma State team because I've been saying this for like over the past month about Oklahoma State I haven't really recalled the last time I remember Oklahoma State's defense being the way they win football games because normally when you think about Oklahoma State you, you think about Mike Gundy you think about them throwing the football all over the place you think about the incredible wide receivers that they have had come through like James Washington, Tylen Wallace. So it's a little bit weird that, you know, we're thinking about Oklahoma State as being a great defensive football team. This is a team that up front is really good. They create a lot of plays, a lot of havoc plays, which havoc plays are like plays that result in a loss. They're pretty disciplined. They don't really make a lot of mistakes. So, I mean, yes, you can win this way, but is it a sustainable way to win? Not really. Eventually, there's going to come a time when this offense is going to have to be able to carry the load. This defense was able to force two interceptions from Casey Thompson, and Casey Thompson really got rattled in the second half of this game. But when you look at this Cowboys team, like this is still a really good football team. But in terms of being one of the best teams, and college football I wouldn't go that far but I definitely feel like this is a team that definitely is being a little bit overlooked because of the style that they win games and this is why I try to tell people in college football style points don't really matter all that matters is how you win a game because you could struggle against one team that you should blow out and then be the team that nobody expects you to be the following week. Like Florida, for example, Florida didn't really look all that impressive against FAU and USF, despite what the final score indicated. You know, they had quarterback controversy. Well, Alabama comes into town and Florida narrowly lost that game. So then a couple of weeks later, you go back and you look at Florida now losing to LSU. Like this isn't the same Florida team that lost LSU that lost to Alabama. So, I mean, like I really feel like college football now, too many people are worried about how many points you score on offense. A lot of people only care about style points, and I just feel like a lot of people don't really appreciate the teams like Iowa. They don't appreciate the teams like an Oklahoma State that's winning in a more traditional fashion. And even though you do have to have a better offense than what Iowa and Oklahoma State have right now to be a legitimate contender, I mean, this is still a team that is definitely in the hunt to win the Big 12 championship, and I definitely feel like they can give Oklahoma a really competitive football game. And we're going to see them match up, being, uh, match up against Oklahoma later on this year. But I mean, this is a pretty better, this is a pretty good football team, man. This is a better football team than what a lot of people are giving them credit for. And I think enough people, not enough people are giving Oklahoma State the acknowledgement that they deserve because they just don't win in pretty ways or they're not lighting up the scoreboard with a lot of explosive players on offense. And that's kind of what college football has came down to nowadays you know it's all about how many points you score on offense nobody really seems to care about defense until you don't have a defense you get what I'm saying so 
I'm really high on Oklahoma State. I can see them making a New Year's Six Bowl game. I can see them winning the Big 12 this year. Not saying that they are, but I definitely feel like they're definitely in that conversation. It seems like everybody's just rolling with Oklahoma to win it, but I feel like Oklahoma State has a pretty good chance to win it as well. So... The last thing we have to talk about, I have to give my reaction to Georgia pulling a part and dismantling the Kentucky Wildcats. I mean, they were like a broken down car, this Kentucky team was, and Georgia pretty much took them to the scrapyard. They won 30 to 13. This game wasn't really close. Will Levis. I felt like he played a pretty decent game, 32 of 42, 192 passing yards, two touchdowns. Kentucky's offense really couldn't get anything going. And I was telling people when I was previewing this game that if the run game for Kentucky didn't get going, I don't think Kentucky was going to have that much success on offense. And I didn't think the run game for Kentucky was going to get going either. Well, there were a lot of, you know, eager Wildcats fans who came down and told me I'm wrong. I did lazy analysis on the team this Kentucky Wildcats team is going to fight they're physical and they're going to have success running the football on Georgia and I said okay despite the fact that Auburn and Arkansas didn't have success running the football on Georgia two of the best rushing attacks that we have in college football right now didn't have success running the ball against this Georgia defense I'm pretty sure you're not going to have success running the football neither and a lot of Kentucky Wildcats fans were mad at me for saying that they challenged that claim well Kentucky only had 51 rushing yards Georgia had 166 rushing yards so I think that tells you everything you need to know and some people were thinking that maybe Kentucky could compete with Georgia up front and that didn't really happen and I don't really think there's a team out there right now that's capable of competing with Georgia up front because you look at Alabama like everybody's quick to throw Alabama things like that but I don't really think that this Alabama offensive line is equipped to handle the monsters that they have up front on that Georgia defense Jordan Davis is a monster there are some people that are making claims for him to be in the Heisman conversation definitely understand why I feel like he's one of the more dominant defensive tackles that we've seen since Nandonikin Sue when he was playing for Nebraska Quentin Williams a couple of years ago when he was playing for Alabama I really feel like Jordan Davis is the real deal. Now, should he be in the Heisman conversation? And I mean, I I could see it. You definitely could make the argument because I definitely feel like when he's on the field, he's one of the best players in America. Now, Stetson Bennett had a pretty good game. Um, He was... 14 to 20 for 250 passing yards, three touchdowns. Like Stetson Bennett, surprisingly enough, has been one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC this year. There hasn't really been tons of great quarterback play in the SEC this year outside of Bryce Young and um, Matt Corral. But after those two, I definitely feel like you can make the argument and say that Stetson Bennett has probably been the third or fourth best quarterback in this conference this year. 
unless you want to go with KJ Jefferson at number three, then I wouldn't get mad at that. But I mean, Stetson Bennett has definitely played fairly well. Now it's going to be interesting to find out, you know, when JT Daniels comes back, because I do still feel like JT Daniels gives them the best chance to win. I just feel like Stetson Bennett hasn't really been put in a situation where he has to win the game. You know, all Georgia really is doing is handing the football off, and that's pretty much all that he really has to do. Now, he has improved his accuracy a little bit, but I just want to see what he does in a big-time environment against a team that's just as good as Georgia, like Alabama. What is he going to do in a close game? What is he going to do with the ball left in his hands to have to win the game? You know, we don't really have those questions answered about Stetson Bennett we know that Stetson Bennett can be a good game manager you know Georgia is running a really simplistic offense really similar to what they ran with Jake Fromm you know they didn't really ask Jake Fromm to do all that much all they really wanted Jake Fromm to do was to hand the football off and take care of the football when they asked him to throw it and when you look at Stetson Bennett that's similar to what I'm seeing with him right now and he definitely can get you to a title game but can you win a conference championship with Stetson Bennett can you win a national championship with Stetson Bennett that's where the question lies okay like Georgia is beating people just because they're purely better but what's going to happen when you face off against a team that's just good as you we don't really have that question answered you know and you know I'm not trying to take anything away from Stetson Bennett but I still feel like JT Daniels gives Georgia the best chance to win. You know, we didn't really get to see Stetson Bennett against Clemson earlier on this season. We saw JT Daniels. You know, if Stetson Bennett plays in that game, maybe it could have been a different outcome. But what was more impressive to me is the fact that Kentucky was held to 3.5 yards per play. Like, do you not know how impressive that is? Like, you don't really see a lot of teams nowadays being held to less than four yards per play. Kentucky got outgained 243 yards to 416. Like, this was just a physical mismatch. And so far this year, there hasn't really been a team in the SEC that Georgia has played that looks like they're more than capable of being able to handle this defensive line. And I don't really think that there's a team in college football this year so far that I've watched that looks like they're going to be able to match up well up front with Georgia's defensive line and that's including Alabama because Alabama's offensive line is far from perfect you know they still have some things that they're trying to figure out so Georgia is the best team in college football right now that's not you know a hot take that's not something that should be up for debate they're playing some really good football right now they're beating really good teams like you can't use the argument of well who have they played I mean you beat Arkansas you beat um Kentucky then you have to play Florida in a couple of weeks which should be a really intriguing game so when I look at Georgia man this is a team that is peaking at the right time they're hitting on all cylinders and I we got to stop judging how good teams are simply by if they play the team with a number by their name because there are certain teams that I don't need to see you playing a you know Alabama or Ohio State or Clemson every single week like you don't need certain schools to play the best best opponents or the best competition week after week to you know measure how good they are there are just some teams that we just know just are simply good so 
I'm really excited to see what Georgia does this year. Georgia was my preseason championship selection, you know, and we knew that they probably were going to roll through the regular season. But my question really is, okay, what are they going to do when it comes down to the SEC conference championship game? What are they going to do in the playoffs? So I'm not really surprised with the success that Georgia's having with them being my preseason championship pick. I'm just ready for to see what they're going to do when they are matched up in the SEC championship game, which most likely would be Alabama at the moment. But you guys let me know if you guys are watching this on YouTube, how you guys feel about Georgia. Like I said, this is the best team in college football right now. This defense is outstanding. And this is probably the best defense that I've seen in the college football playoff era so far. Like I haven't remember seeing a defense this good since Alabama, what was it, 2012, 2011, when they had D. Milliner, like, they had a bunch of guys, like, there was one defense that Alabama had that was incredibly nasty, I've got what year it was, it was one of those early Alabama teams in the early 210s, when they had Agent McCarron at QB, but those Alabama defenses were nasty, and this Georgia defense is just as nasty, like, that front seven is unbelievable, like, there are a lot of Wolverines, there are a lot of, you know, human-created machines that they have because some of these guys aren't human Jordan Davis is a freak of nature I've never seen a guy with his size over 300 plus that can move the way he does you know laterally like I'm just really impressed with this Georgia defense man so you guys let me know how you guys feel about Georgia beating Kentucky down in the comment section down below and I appreciate you guys for tuning in and listening to this episode of the JT Sports Podcast I will see you guys shortly with another episode. Make sure that you go ahead, leave a five-star review, share this podcast episode on your social media platforms if you enjoyed.